And welcome to another edition of the podcast here at moresportsnow.com. I am John McAlevey coming to you from my studio in New Providence, New Jersey. And on the phone are my colleagues, both of them in Westfield, New Jersey. They're actually right across the street from each other. We're practicing social distancing. Let me welcome in Matt Lachlan and Steve Titchener. Fellas, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Yeah, it's great to be with you, John, and we're excited uh, about another edition of the podcast. And yeah, it is kind of interesting, right? I mean, you only live probably, what, eight miles, maybe less from where we are. And Steve is, as you mentioned, literally across the street from where I am. But under the new rules and trying to do our best to keep COVID outside and not inside, we have to do it this way. But hey, that's that's the new normal. Such is life, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things. You know, one of the reasons that the uh, the NFL draft, you know, you you had done a um, uh, a minute piece on that, John, about uh, about how great the, uh, uh, the the viewership was on that, and the reason being is because there's nothing going on, and people are just dying for sports to get back. It's so, true. So there you go. So and here you are in, in in Roger Goodell's basement. And, you know, and, and human element came out of it, really. And then all these people in their homes and stuff, it was very unique. And uh, I don't think that'll work every year. I think it was just the novel end of it that really worked. And also the fact that people were dying. People uh, were starved. Kind of sport. No doubt. So uh, so I was kind of surprised initially. But then when I thought about it, the ratings were, were so good because people just are hungry for sports. And here we are wondering where we're going to go. Yes, and here we are. Our, our name is More Sports Now, and we find ourselves kind of struggling for really sporting events to cover and to to speak about. I was listening to uh, the radio earlier, and they were ranking the quarterbacks that the Giants are going to face in their schedule this season. So talk about dying for things to talk about. But sports slowly but surely might be on the horizon. I know here in New Jersey, golf courses have opened up again, which is a good thing for the uh, the everyday guy that wants to get out there. But what do we really and realistically think opening up sports is going to look like in the maybe not too distant future? Matt, wh- why don't you give me your thoughts on that? Well, it's all speculation, of course. And I think that's obvious. Nobody knows. Uh, we we know that eventually we will return to whatever the normal looks like, but what will that entail? Will that entail crowds? I, I don't think so. There are a lot of people I talk to who honestly say they're not going to go to a game or to the theater or to the movies or maybe even to a mall unless there's a vaccine. And from everything we read in here, we're a ways away from that. So uh, when can you get back to a position where everyone feels comfortable? I don't know. That being said, money drives everything. And we can argue whether it should or not, but the fact of the matter, it does. And there's a lot of money at stake, not only in commerce, but in sports. And so the leagues are trying to figure out a way that they can do it. It's a daunting task because it's not just as simple as saying, hey, we found a community where the virus is on the wane that is willing to allow us to bring our game to them. And we won't open it up to fans, 
to keep it safer still, but we're going to play the game anyway. Well, that works until a government entity gets in and says, well, no, we're not really sure we want you to bring that in here. So uh, I, I think the leagues are throwing a lot of scenarios around, and that's why what we get is a lot of the speculation. I, I think we will return with no fans initially. I think that's what we will see. And then maybe whenever the next season starts for basketball and for hockey, then we may see. But who knows? And the question is, do you need a live audience? And I say, listen, if you, can, if you bring it back without, uh, uh, without the fans, without the crowd, and you just have a TV audience, for me, I'm fine with that. I mean, clearly you have to limit the exposure here on this. So, so you can't have a packed arena. You can't have a, a, you know, a packed stadium right now. That's just the reality of it. But sports can come back. The people who have exposure, obviously, are the players and such. But look, these, these are younger people who aren't as in, in as much danger. Now, that's debatable because so, certainly some young people have gotten sick. But by and large, they are safer. And you would think that they would be able to still compete and be okay. And then, you know, listen, the TV audience, let that happen. It's, uh, it's, it's just the reality of things. But to say, oh, we're not going to have any competitive sports, I think is, is crazy. It's got to start at some point. And now that the country is opening up, parts of the country are, are opening up. And, of course, we're in the Northeast, where, which got hit harder than anyone uh, still. Um, there's got to be a point where, where things, uh, things are open back up and the, uh, and sports can go on. And if you can't have a crowd right now, then that's the way it, it has to be uh, until it's safer. So be it. Yeah. I know I can speak for myself and a lot of this has to do for me, uh, physically, you know, over the years, it's been harder and harder for me to get to live events. I used to love going to, um, especially the Big East tournament every year. I would look forward to that. My buddies and I would, um, you know, buy up the packages. I would go in with my dad and we would stay. That first Thursday would start. The games would be at like 1030 in the morning and they'd go all the way till that 930 tip off, which is usually where Providence got stuck, unfortunately. But over the years, as it's been harder for me to get around, I have really not been to uh, to a live sporting event in a couple of years now. So the fact that there will not be crowds will not really affect me. Um, and if I were able to get there, I don't think I would be rushing back to, uh, to be seeing anything in, in the near future, because as Matt said, um, people are going to be a little wary until there is, you know, some therapeutics and the, the silver bullet of vaccine, which, which, you know, there's some speculation that it might be towards the end of this year into next year. I don't think anybody really knows, but, you know, to feel, you know, safe and sound sitting next to somebody gobbling down a hot dog and he sneezes and whatnot. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be some time before I think people are really, really comfortable with that. Now, well, as you, a side uh, note, go ahead, Steve. Well, I, and I'll ask you, Matt, I mean, how, how much will the, will the product be affected by not having a, a, a live audience? I mean, go, you know, if, if the NHL starts up again and you're Matt announcing, uh, a game with with nobody in the stands. I mean, I, you you got to believe that the the players feed off the fans quite a bit, so it's going to affect it to a certain degree. Uh, to a degree, I think you're right. I I think we'd all be surprised how little it necessarily does. These guys are so focused. Now it will be odd the first one or two times they do it because it will seem like an exhibition game, which rarely has a full house and certainly not an engaged full house. 
it will seem for some of the guys who've been in the NHL for a long time, like they're back in the American Hockey League or juniors, where again, the crowds in general are not that loud. And there will be a moment like, wow, this is really weird. But these guys are so competitive. Yes, there is the occasion when they they will tell you, oh, yeah, the crowd really urged us on. And that was an important part of our win. And I'm not denying that it does happen. But in the nitty gritty, when I'm taking a face off, when I'm coming down the ice and a defenseman's got me lined up, I don't hear a thing is what most of them will tell you. So it would be a slight adjustment period. And then they would compete completely. Now, for an announcer used to feeding off the sounds of the arena, it would be different. That's for sure. Uh, I don't know what they'll do. If, if teams wind up being able to play in their home arenas, I would presume then I would be at the Devils games. Would I be allowed to travel when they go on the road to complete their regular season schedule? Will they complete the regular season schedule? Uh, so there's a lot of unknowns. Might I announce out of a studio? Uh, a lot of television, we'd be surprised. I think most of our listeners would be surprised how much television is done remotely. Uh, if you watch, for instance, the Big Ten, and I, I may be off a little bit on this, but I'm pretty close. With the exception of basketball and football, their announcers are not on site. So if you're watching a Big Ten soccer matchup between Indiana and Rutgers, those announcers are not on site. They are calling it from a studio. If you watch an international soccer game, let's say on ESPN, which is using U.S.-based announcers, you know they're not importing the feed and having the announcers brought in like the EPL uh, on NBC, those announcers in the stadium. But a lot of those international events are being called out of a studio in Stanford, uh, Connecticut, uh, or on the campus of ESPN. And I can go on and on and on. A lot of the Olympic coverage is not done with announcers on site. So we may see more and more of a push that way right. for a variety of reasons to cost savings. And in this case, it would be a safety factor. So I don't know. That would be different. If I'm sitting in a studio and have no contact, I don't, I mean, I would hear the sounds. I would get an international feed. So I would hear the sticks and the pucks and the checks and the glass mm -hmm. rattling and what have you. But it would be odd. That's for sure. But Matt, that's, that's interesting because I didn't know that much was going on. So that, that happens a lot where an announcer is in uh, ESPN headquarters announcing something on uh, the part of the world. Yes. Now, okay. again, if you're watching an, uh, a, a college basketball game on ESPN, it's clear the announcers right. are there. Mm -hmm. But it's more than you think. Not every announcer in the event that you're watching is sitting in the stands in that building. That okay. is for sure. Matt, take us through, you know, we're here. especially, I'm sorry, especially, like I said, on the Big Ten Network as an example, it's just a cost savings. I mean, they're there. I don't know what their crowd uh, would be in terms of viewership for. Uh, and I use the example, Indiana playing Rutgers in soccer. Um, but it's expensive, you know, to uh, send people out there. And so there is there is the ability to do it remotely. And I've had friends who have done it. And they say it takes a little bit of getting used to, but it can be done. The Red Bulls on MSG Networks, their road games, that crew, Shep Messing and Steve Cangelosi, do not go on site. Wow. They know that. They call, they call the games from a mm -hmm. studio Interesting. at Madison Square Garden. Home games, they're at Red Bull Stadium okay. in Harrison. Road games, they don't go. 
Matt, take us through, Steve and I were both saying before that we are eager to see, you know, the games, if there's no crowds there, televised. I mean, we'll sit there and watch it. As we said, we watched uh, Roger Goodell sitting in his basement like Mr. Rogers, you know, changing his wardrobe. And we were glued to that. The numbers were through the roof. How many folks does it take, say, to pull off, you know, televising a Major League Baseball game, like Yankee, a Yankees game or a Mets game? You're talking about uh, maybe they'd scale down the number of cameras that they have, but the folks in the truck, I mean, h- how many people is that? Is it between, you know, 10 and 30 people that it would take to to do graphics and cameras and producers and directors? How many folks are we talking about? Closer to 30. Um, so, for instance, MSG uh, will send seven people on the road, and that includes announcers. Uh, they'll send a producer, they'll send a director, they will send a graphics operator, and they will send an associate or assistant director or a tape operator, as they're also known. Those four behind the scenes and then the announcers. So generally, MSG travels seven people per game. In the city that the Devils are playing a game, they may have a slightly reduced number of cameras, uh, but they will probably have six of their own cameramen they will probably have three audio people they will have a graphics actual operator the person that i talked about the coordinator is the one who's overseeing that operator you'll have a technical director uh you will have uh, people who are just acting as runners Uh, so it is closer to 30 maybe closer to 25 so the home side would have a little bit more because they generally put a little bit more into that production. So you're looking at 25 to 30 people and oh, there's electricians and lighting people. I mean, this whole bunch, it's, it's a pretty big setup. Uh, so now if two teams are on site, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to say 65 people involved in the home and visiting broadcast in total because they don't share the equipment. And that's something that will change. Because somebody will say, well, why are we exposing twice as many people? Why don't we just have one feed and everybody can use it? So we save money and we've made it safer. Interesting. You You might just get the home feed. Say that again? You might just wind up getting the home team's feed if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, because, or maybe they just won't be enough. They won't be the same amount of cameras. You won't get the same camera angles. And um, they might have to just cut back on some of those folks that you were saying that might be the ancillary folks that, you know, might not be of of need just to to get a game on the air. Then again, you're talking about uh, people sitting in the truck. They will probably all have to have masks on and they'll have to be tested. They'll do the temperature thing, gauging everybody. It's it's going to be crazy just to just to get a game on that we all crave. I think the sport that sets up the best for this is, is golf and they're ready to get back in June, uh, with the, uh, Charles uh, Schwab challenge in, in Texas on June 8th. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of pros are questioning it and they're going back and forth about how it's going to be done and things like handling the flag pin and all that. It's like, geez, you know, like the flag has to stay in. I'm like, can't, can't everybody, even the caddies just wear gloves. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but there's a lot going on, but think about it. I mean, yes, that is a big crew as Matt alluded to, even for golf, that's gotta be a pretty big crew, but they're natural. They're far away from each other. You got the announcer that's green side 
and then you got to announce her mid fairway and then someone i guess at the tee box and then you know what as far as the the crowd goes and the gallery uh, goes you know who cares i mean it, 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 the audience doesn't the tv audience doesn't care as much i mean it, may, it might affect the players to a certain degree but again as, as matt said I mean, these guys are so focused and, you know, money's on the line and a big tournament's on the line. I mean, I, I think, and plus, let's get let's get something going. And I love golf. I love watching golf. And, hey, listen, I want my Masters. Yeah. November, they got the Masters set up for November and the Ryder Cups this year, too, and international events. So it'll be very interesting how it all flies. But, uh, you know, it's set to get back in June. And it will be interesting because golf is a sport that can probably be held. Tennis can probably be held. Uh, there are examples of sports that can be conducted, but here's one of the issues. NBC, using NBC as an example, would love to televise golf CBS on a regular basis. They would have an audience and they would make money. So what about, though, the and, and the sponsor would be happy to have their name mentioned the local spot or national sponsor. This is the travelers, whatever mm -hmm. Wells Fargo, whatever. But now what about the people who are running it locally? So let's just say you get 20,000 people. I'm not talking about the big events where you get far more, but let's say you get 20,000 people on average per day, just the four rounds for a men's event. That's 80,000 people times mm -hmm. what? $20 a ticket times parking times concessions or not times, but, you know, start to add it up. That's a lot of lost revenue. Now you right. might be able to sustain it for a while in order to get the games back on. You might be able to say, okay, we can hold off one year. We can do this, but I mean, how long, how long, what can some of these sponsors do? Can they actually, I know they're getting TV money, but I don't know if the local guys are like the tour is. Mm -hmm. So you look at, you look at, you, you know, you look at, say, the NHL, which depends more than any other sport on ticket sales because their television money is not as lucrative as it is in baseball or in basketball. Nobody turns money down. So even though the monies that they get from TV in those sports is crazy, football, crazy. You don't think the Giants want to have full stadium eight times? or charge for 10 times yeah. you know, the way they do now? Absolutely. So that's a lot of money. So the NHL, for instance, yes, they want to, they want to conclude their contracts with their local broadcasters. In the devil's case, it's the NHL, uh, MSG networks. They certainly want to uh, finish their contracts with NBC, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, those games will fulfill those contractual obligations. But if the Devils can't play in front of, say, 14,000 people, that's not a sellout, but I'm just taking a figure a little bit below that. That's a lot of revenue that's not going to our owner's pocket. So those are things that those are things that have to be considered. So golf, yes, can be played, and it would be nice to get it back. And I, I think we have to understand that it won't be normal for a while, and we have to change our thought patterns. But I think that's one of the issues. It, uh, yes, it can get back, but there's a lot of money that's not being accounted for. Oh, no question. The, the financial loss is, is certain, and uh, and it's devastating. There's no question about it. I guess the question is, is just getting back to actually, you know, it, it, being able to see something on TV. 
I mean, I guess that's the start, right? It's something, you know, something that you turn on the TV and see a, a golf, uh, or, or I don't know, whatever, whatever's next baseball Yes, in some form. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you made the point, Matt, the local, uh, uh, the lo- local situation where the, the amount of revenue that's lost on that end, when you talk about, you know, uh, the Charles Schwab challenge that I just mentioned, it's in Fort Worth, Texas. Well, don't you think that the, the folks in Fort Worth were counting on those, uh, that week of golf in that town? Yes. You know, no question about it. So there, there's, they, you make a good point that there's uh, the, 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 the revenue losses is, is, is big. You know, fellas I've seen, and I don't know if you had, uh, I saw it on Twitter. I think it was, they're calling this the Rudy Gobert effect. I mean, if he didn't test positive, you know, back in, right. in early March, I mean, all of these tournaments would have still been going on. I mean, I remember Rutgers was actually in their layup lines and, yeah. and they pulled the plug on all of that because the night before Gobert tested positive and he was sort of ground zero as far as, you know, knocking these televised events out. And so um, he's kind of getting the nickname as he's the guy that, uh, that was the one, the domino that fell. And, but yeah, I mean, we're all just dying to, to watch some stuff. And I, I think ESPN is actually uh, looking into airing South Korean baseball. I think that was something that, that yeah, they are. This, I mean, it shows you just how starved we are for any sort of sports programming. I mean, how many times can you watch Around the Horn or other, any of those other stupid shows that they have on there? Because there's nothing to talk about. I mean, sports radio, they're, they're, they don't know what to talk about. They're, they're bringing up, um, and something we're going to get into down the road, the, uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan is they're saying he's never been more popular because he's like the only thing on television nowadays. It's nuts. It's a great show, by the way. If you guys haven't checked it out, it is off the charts. Great. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've been DVRing. I, I watched the first episode and haven't had a chance to uh, to get back to uh, the the next ones. But yeah, I'm I'm reading all about it and I'm and I'm hearing good things yeah, about it. So it's, I've heard it. I've heard from a number of people about it. So uh, and I just oh, you got gotta, around to it. Yeah. Oh, you got to check it out. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to be covering him during that time. So it brings back a lot of great memories. Uh, I mm-hmm. was not there at the beginning of his career, nor was I there at the end as I had just started to cover the NBA or in the early nineties. And then by time uh, we had gotten to the late nineties, I had transitioned over to hockey, but it brings back some, some great memories. And it, it's, it's, it's a fabulous look, not only at what he did, but what enabled him, what drove him. Yeah. Incredible. Matt, did you ever have a chance to interview? Sure. Now, never one-on-one. That was not going to happen to a local announcer on the road. I mean, we were the visiting team, the Nets, right? So uh, it was always going to be a group uh, group setting. But yes, yeah. That's Interesting. Cool. I, my, my oh, one, yeah. my one uh, brush with fame was um, when my old college roommate, Marty Conlon, uh, was playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. I went out to visit him with a buddy, and it just so happened that the game that we got to see the first one, we stayed for about a week or so. We had beautiful courtside seats. Was when Jordan came back to the Bulls, and he was wearing number forty-five. It was after his his <laughs> baseball um, excursion. But um, yeah, that was something else. I mean, obviously the crowds were coming out, but that should segue us into. We talked earlier about the NFL 
that went through with their draft. The NBA has postponed their draft lottery and also their combine because obviously nobody can gather, so they can't get uh, can't get a chance to eyeball these players, and it it really puts them at a disservice. You know, the players and the teams. The NFL luckily was able to get their combine in, so they were able to you know size up these guys and uh, you know sort of have a chance. They weren't able to do so many of the one on one. Um, uh, formal interviews where they bring the players to their, um, you know, prospective parks, but the NBA is not going to get a chance to do any of that. So they have pulled the plug on that and they've postponed it for some time. What do you guys think of that? Was that the right thing to do? I guess it was the only thing to do. Uh, they're pushing it back and I, I guess it's the only thing that can be done. Well, the only argument I would make against that is how much more do you need to see somebody? Like you've been following these players throughout their college yeah. careers, uh, overseas, you've been following these guys for the last few years. I mean, look, if you can get another look in another scene, uh, under different circumstances, it, it may bring a little bit more of your selection thoughts into focus, but really, I mean, it's only two rounds in the NBA anyway. Like, how many more times do you have to see these guys? Right. But I do understand why they canceled the combine. I'm not so sure why the draft has been postponed, but partly that's because the season hasn't been completed. And that's the reason that, uh, and one of the factors into the NHL's decision, they want to move forward with the draft. Now they canceled their, uh, their workouts as well. All the other leagues that they would be following have been canceled around the world. So no, uh, you know, junior championships, no world championships, et cetera. That last look has not been afforded to the general managers and scouts. Uh, you can't have the combine. We get that. But the league is saying, to your point, Steve, about the bump the NFL got, the NHL is looking at it. Look, this is a new normal. We hopefully will not visit this situation again. But how can we maintain normalcy in uh, an abnormal time. So we can. So let's proceed if we can with the draft. They had already canceled the draft, which was going to be held at the end of June and was going to be held in Montreal. They had already canceled that. But they want to have a virtual draft now and, and they're floating this trial balloon. And it's in all likelihood going to happen because Gary Bedman <laughs> wants it to happen. And generally when Gary wants something to happen, it happens. The NHL commissioner gets his way. So that being said, uh, the league wants to have this virtual draft. But the problem is it's usually based on a lottery and then a reversal, once that takes place, of the standings. Well, they're trying to finish the season. So how do you base the lottery? So the league is saying, look, we're going to figure something out. They, they've offered some suggestions to how it will proceed. But in the end, what they basically said is, hey, it's not going to be perfect because we're not in normal times. So get over it. We think we can conduct a virtual draft that will engage our fans, give them something to sink their teeth into. We'll probably get a little bump, not to the degree that the NFL did, because it's not as important a sport on our sports landscape, but we will get some bump. We can talk to our fans. They can get excited about something real and tangible, and let's proceed with it. And we'll probably get an announcement, maybe even by time this show is posted. but. In all likelihood, we're looking at a June 5th virtual draft and Matt, NHL. Matt, the big question is, this guy, is Gary Bettman's 
basement as nice as Roger Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I he does not make the same money, but he makes a lot. He makes over twenty million. Well, you, you know, Roger Goodell's basement wasn't all that nice. I mean, it was kind of like looked like just a finished basement that you and I would have. Let me tell you well, something. John, John yeah. last week was yeah. like, was it last week or two weeks ago? You were saying that's not his basement. I don't know how that could be his basement. The guy makes forty million. That was million. just a corner of his basement. Yeah, Dallas. that he was wasn't on a show too much. Uh, yeah, that was the. Mud- how would it look? Could you imagine if, like, I and mean, I'm sure it is, but if his basement was really opulent and off the charts, all he does is expose himself to being ripped for. It's not his fault. And by the way, he's decided not to take any more money. <clears throat> he's uh, turned back his salary, but he's making over forty million dollars. He's got to have a nice looking basement. So what they did is he had somebody come in, cleaned out everything, and they just had the bare wall kind of look, right? Yeah, I think what you need to do when we're finished with this, folks, when you're done listening to the podcast, go into your computer and put Roger Goodell's house in the Google and you will see his house. And if if you think that that was his basement, then... uh, then I've got some land here in South Jersey. Well, no, it, it was his basement. You just didn't see the whole thing. Right. They made sure that they diminished uh, what it looked like. Yes. Yeah, yes. they didn't show the opulence. They no. They showed the corner. No, The corner didn't. of Roger's uh, uh, basement. Yes. But hey, Matt, let me ask you something. So the, the NHL really doesn't have a combine, though, correct? Oh, it does. Yep. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, and, and right. it's been canceled. They okay. have a combine uh, every year in, Brook- uh, in Brooklyn, in uh, Buffalo. Okay. I, I guess one of the good things about both sports not, you know, not being able to conduct a combine is that they don't have the the sheer number of players that the NFL would have to be seeing. You know, I mean, as you said, Matt, the N- NBA draft is only two rounds. So what are we really thinking about? Maybe these guys have to have maybe seventy or eighty guys really at the at the tip of their finger to know what they're all about. Whereas in the NFL, I mean, good grief, there's seven rounds and 32 picks in each round, and you're going through volumes and volumes of, of names and positions. And um, Whereas uh, I know as far as the NBA draft goes, you, there's just not that sheer number that you have to get your arms around. So maybe they're in a better place in that respect. Well, the NHL does have seven rounds as well, and yeah. they have 31 teams. So they draft a lot of players as well. But basketball, as we said, two rounds. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. how about news this week um, and the last couple of weeks of the G League stepping, uh, getting their, throwing their hat in the ring here? A couple of highly, uh, highly regarded high school prospects have eschewed their idea of going to play the college game and signing with the G League. I know Jalen Green is one. Uh, he had not chosen a college. If he did, I think he was going to go to Memphis, which has Anthony Hardaway all up in arms. Also, Deshaun Nix is another who had signed um, a letter of intent to play at UCLA. And um, this now calls into question, you know, whether guys are going to want to sit in the classroom or whether they're going to want to take that one year and make $500,000 and play in the G League. So what are your thoughts on that, fellas? Can you see both sides of that? And then also, is this going to fast track the name issue and licensing, uh, image and licensing that the NCAA is trying to get out there for uh, for the college kids that do make the choice to go there, that they can make a couple of bucks themselves. Well, I'm I'm the old school guy who wanted to see, you know, Kobe Bryant and and uh, 
LeBron James in, in college uniforms, you know? So for me, I, I never liked uh, them coming out early and going straight to the NBA. So I, I don't really like this. I'd like to see Jalen Green at Memphis, but that's just me. I'm a big college hoops fan and more so than an NBA fan. And, you know, how about the, you know, even the one year thing too. I mean, uh, Anthony Edward from uh, Georgia is a total stud. and might go number one in the draft. I hardly even knew you. Right. In one year in the SEC at Georgia, and boom, he's gone. So these great players, I'd like to see him at the college level, but that's just me. I mean, if they're that good and they want to forego an education and and they're they're definitely – that's another thing too, man. It, to, be, to be guaranteed, I mean, we're talking about Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. How many didn't work out? You know, but if uh, – if um, come on, you get $500,000 coming straight out of high school, man, and you're that good and people are telling you that's good, that's you know how how do you walk away from that? Well, absolutely. Now that five hundred thousand apparently is the max. Um, a lot of them will be playing for a lot less, but nonetheless, I, I think there should be an option. Why not? Look, nobody likes competition. Now, Memphis, you know, and, and as you mentioned, John Penny Hardaway, their head coach, has been the one uh, who has been a little more vocal than most. Of course, that's because he. He just lost, lost the potential yeah, player. Yeah, exactly. You know, it just makes you know his job a little more difficult, and and the competition is there. I, uh, you know, but why not allow someone to pursue what they want? You know, I, I think I mentioned this before. So uh, the doctor that I had, my urologist, his son was selected in the first round by the Yankees in June last June, and he graduated from Del Barton. He had an opportunity, really, from the time he was a freshman in college to name the school he was going to go to. Anthony Volpe has been on Team USA in multiple uh, international competitions. He has been a player on baseball's radar, seriously, since he was like 14. Okay, So every college wanted him early. They They were recruiting him early. Anyway, in the end... It looked like he was going to go to Vanderbilt. Great school, great baseball program. He decided he was going to sign with the Yankees. Now, the signing bonus wasn't the half million max in the G League, but uh, according to reports, his signing bonus was uh, $2.75 million. Uh, and you could argue, well, you know, how can you turn that money down? And you can't. My point is nobody raises an eyebrow now he's the first round pick do you know what the guy getting paid is getting paid who got selected in the 20th round of the baseball draft who was a high school kid who decided he wanted to go to walla walla washington to begin practicing his craft right about 20 grand exactly yeah and nobody says anything right somehow we just get upset about college basketball if some 18-year-old kid thinks he can play, then he should play. Well, here's the and, thing, though. And if, he, and if he, God forbid, blows his knee out, everybody says two things. One, you can always go to college. Well, he may or may not. Or B, they go, oh, he blew a college education. That guy who is that anxious to play in the NBA and play professionally is a one and done in all likelihood anyway. Yeah, so, I, I'm not. 
I'm not saying that Jalen Green shouldn't have that opportunity to go straight to the G League and then the pros. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying a, this is a sports fan's perspective, a sports fan's preference. That's what it is. I mean, look, we talk about Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, uh, Kevin Garnett. I mean, it worked out for a, a lot of players going straight to to the NBA. Well, maybe not a lot, but the, you know, we, we, the, those that we know, of course. I'm just saying that for me, I mean, my enthusiasm for college basketball is just, I'm, I am just in the, in the, you know, in the stratosphere on college basketball. And then for the NBA, I mean, it falls, it falls off. Now you talk to me in the nineties when the Knicks were, 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 were buying for a championship every year, it'd be a different story. Yeah. So again, I'm very Knicks centric when it comes to the NBA and yes. it's been so bad for so long. I'm so flat on the NBA. So for me, I want to see these great players in college. And, uh, you know, but, but Matt, I mean, to your point, I mean, the, re- the reality is Jalen Green is, is that good and he can make uh, a bunch of money right out of the jump and then go right into a development league and then go right into the NBA, then, then he should have that ability to do so. Which, which but begs- is Jalen Green got to change your love affair with college basketball? No, no, well, that's, that's not the case. You, you, did you set your calendar for yeah. wherever you wound up selecting Auburn or, or Memphis, he no, feels I, cheated. I, I shouldn't say. I'm let me you. let me put it in my lap then, Matt. Let's say Cliff Omarui comes in, and uh, who was just uh, uh, recruited by by uh, Pykel at Rutgers. Let's say he comes in. He's an absolute stud, man. Changes the Rutgers basketball program in a sense, but then it's one and done. I understand it. I understand that he's got to go, and that, that the NBA is calling. He's going to be a first round pick or what have you. I understand that, but man. It's tough when you see a player come in like that to your program and change things, and then and then move and then move on so quick. I guess it's a good problem because you're starting to get those players. You're starting to have maybe if you if you're having the Kentucky problem and the Duke problem, <laughs> well, that, that, that's good. It's a good problem. You know? So you're so you're getting Zion's now. You know, okay, that's great. But um, the, the point is, is that yeah, I mean, in that part of it, you know, to see them go on. I mean, I'd like to see this Anthony Edward kid in Georgia for another year. So. You know the, the the idea of them having to go to co- uh, college, having to having to stay there for two years, those kind of things would help the college game, no question. Yeah, and it also but, begs the question about the you know the name, image, and likeness that the NCAA is trying to sort of fast track. I mean, maybe we keep t- saying uh, Jalen Green, whoever it is, other than him that chooses to try the G League, maybe. Uh, a year down the road, they have the opportunity to go to a college. Uh, Deshaun Nix at UCLA, and then he he has the ability to sell jerseys in the concourse that say Nix on the back. Or I was reading some things where he gets invited to a booster's son's birthday party, and he gets a fee for showing up there. Or he's doing commercials for Lions Ford or whoever it is down the street. I mean, it, it will give these guys an opportunity to play in college and also to to make a little money on, because let's face it, people don't go to the games to see the coaches who are making 4 and $5 million a year. They're there to see these wonderfully talented 17, 18, 19-year-old kids. And I think that they should get a taste of what's out there, because there's a ton of money, and it's it's all on their backs. And also, you know, the, the, the players that, you know, the here and there, the Jalen Green, they're very special players. So, you know, a couple of them going straight in. But if they are going in in droves, which, you know what, the NBA doesn't have enough jobs for that. 
So I don't think it'll ever get to the point where, you know, 50 of the top players are going straight to G leagues and then into the pros, because that would affect the excitement of the college level without a question of the brightest and best stars are going straight to the NBA. So to, to answer your question, Matt, I, I think, you know, the isolated Jalen Green here and there is fine, but it's always, I, I again, would just like to see them in college. And that's understood. I mean, I, I can appreciate that you want to see them. I, I, I just—it's it, the world. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You, know, people, you know, that's just the way it goes. I can, I can certainly understand the allure. And if you're that good, and you can go straight in, and and uh, and uh, and you know, listen. Also, these guys are missing out. You know, the Kobe's and and uh, and um, LeBron's and all they missed out on college. It's a fun time, but I mean, I guess you know, you're going right. You know, when you're going right in, you're a superstar right out of the jump. It's, um, I mean, you know, college can go to the wayside. I understand that. But, uh, again, it, it's, I understand the allure and I'm, I'm not saying that they should not have that opportunity. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it, it does affect the college product to a certain extent. And certainly if they, if it, it was more, more star players going straight into the NBA, uh, I think it would affect it to a certain degree. Yep. No, it's never going to be that. You don't have to yeah. worry about that. It's never going to be that. The NBA doesn't want most high school players. Right. And it's just they not enough jobs. Two, there's two rounds. Two well, rounds. The kids aren't that, and the yeah. kids aren't that good. Right. They don't want to be the babysitter. Let Mike Krzyzewski, let you know, Rick Pitino, let Kevin Willard be the babysitter mm-hmm. and develop them. Costs us nothing. Yep. So we, we would rather that we don't have to go this route. But if we can get some, and I'm not sure why, why the G League is necessarily approaching this. Uh, I think what they're saying is for a select group, they feel that the NBA will would rather, for that one year, that's all it's going to be, that one year, develop this player to help the NBA, and he would be developed more with better coaching, better supervision, better, et cetera, on the professional side than he would going to college. College coaches would explode hearing that. Say, oh, no, we, we've done this. Yeah, you have. But the NBA is a different animal. And so they would rather have those three guys. Yeah, you're right, Steve. It's not It's not going to be. It's not going to be 50. Here's the other thing. How about the NCAA loosens up its, its rules a little bit and says, okay, so let's just suppose – um, Jalen Green does wind up going to the G League, and maybe he's not that good. Maybe all the evaluation that's gone on, he's not cut out to be a professional player, at least not an NBA player. So now his option is Europe, where he can make a lot of money, mm-hmm. but that's the short. Why not? Why not let him go back to college? I think the case there is a lot of people would test those waters and a lot of players would go that route. Now, is that a problem? So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, good point. I mean, is that a problem? Not necessarily. Maybe they say, hey, let me see what if, if I'm a pro now or if I'm a pro later, really, was, was what it would come down to. What it comes down to is the NCAA does not want to do anything to upset their apple cart. And nobody does, right? Nobody wants to upset their apple cart, Right. We're pretty successful doing whatever. And now you're coming in and telling me I can't. Well, what happened to the taxi industry? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, Lyft and Uber came in and disrupted the normal. Taxi industry was working pretty well. 
you know, you had to come to us for the most part. Now you just call up anybody, but there was an inefficiency there. So I can understand the NCAA saying, whoa, 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 this is not good. But they've, they've had it their way for so long. And now there's, there's, a, there's a new normal in, in that world as well. And John, to your point about the name, image, and likeness stuff, yeah, there are going to be some changes. It's not going to affect a lot of people, and it's not going to change the cheating that goes on either. No doubt. No Quite doubt. frankly. No doubt. I mean, the NCAA will try to put limits on it to some extent, you know, however they do that. Um, but then what's to stop a tattoo parlor in Columbus, Ohio, from upping the ante a little bit? It's still going to be the same thing. It because is. Because one person in this world says, you know what? I'm pretty happy. Most of us, are, like, we live nice lives. The three of us live in a bubble to a degree financially compared to the rest of the world. We live in nice towns. We were raised, you know, by nice people. Right. And we have pretty good lives. John, your, you know, spinal cord injury notwithstanding. But yes. I mean, the, the wolves are not knocking on your door <laughs> to collect bills. Uh, certainly not in mine and, and Steve, I know not in yours. So my point is, you know, uh, we would say, no, I don't necessarily need more money. But if somebody's offering me an extra hundred G, I'm going to take it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you you tell me what person doesn't do that. You tell me the billionaire who doesn't want to make two billion. That's the truth. So, That's the truth. So if the if the NCAA says, well, you know, we'll we'll cap it at twenty five thousand or twenty thousand a year or fifteen or ten thousand dollars a year, I don't know what to up with. There's going to some be somebody else a booster for a certain school that says, well. If I can slide an extra five yeah. your way, that might sway your opinion. Yes. And it probably will. So and I don't, you know. On uh, on the local front, someone's opinion who was swayed uh, was a point guard from Delaney High School in Maryland. Ryan Conway has given a verbal commitment to play for your Seton Hall Pirates, Matt. It was a very good get. I know at this point he's rated as a three-star prospect by most of the recruiting services, but you know, a heady point guard who can put the ball in the basket, someone who can run a team. He has said that he wants to follow in the lineage of, you know, Miles Powell and the guards that they have been turning out there, Kadeem Carrington. Uh, it's a nice get for, for Seton Hall. He will not be on campus in South Orange until 2021, but you can, you can file that away as a good start to their next season's recruiting class. A hundred percent. And in fact, it began even earlier with the transfer of Trey Jackson, who uh, will play not this year, but next. So, yeah, Kevin Willard's had a great summer between Bryce Aiken coming in for this coming year and with the commitment of those two players, Trey Jackson and Ryan Conway. Uh, he has he has really built this program uh, onto a very, very solid base. Uh, they would have been in their fifth straight NCAA tournament. And they're, they're, it's, it's a program. It's never going to be. It's not going to be the Kentucky. It's not going to be, you know, a, a school like that. But it's going to be, he has turned this into a school that is always now in on these guys. And that's great. I mean, he has done a terrific job. He and his staff over the years developing players. That has helped. And it's just a good program. He's a, he's a good coach. Yes. In a good league. 
and onward and upward for Seton Hall. And he's winning games. That's the bottom line. I know that Conway said, uh, you know, the fact that they're winning games. I did see early this morning, I was on Twitter, uh, and one player that they were in on uh, is the big big 6'10", 6'11", kid from the Patrick School, Adama Sanogo. He just committed to UConn today. So the the Big East effect is coming back for for Danny Hurley. He'll have his club uh, back in the Big East Conference beginning next year. And so he's recruiting his old environs as well. And so that was one. Uh, you get one and you lose one. But uh, as you mentioned, Trey Jackson coming in from Missouri, they're, they're really off to the races. It's not so much, you know, replenishing. There's They're reloading with players in that top 100 to top 150 and and Kevin gets them in he coaches them up and at the at the end of the day they win games yeah and they don't have to uh, and they haven't had you know a real top 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 recruit in a while but they get they get good recruits yeah you and, don't need uh, sorry, that fellas but yeah Conway by the way did choose Yes. My alma mater over your Both alma mater. Both of ours, so, yes. Sorry about that, boys. Oh, but yes. Sorry. Yeah, I think sorry. Uh, Ruck, sorry. Yeah, Ruck, slash not sorry. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers was in on him, and, you know, he's a three-star recruit, but how much can you put on that? I mean, you know, the bottom line is, is how he's developed. And to your guys' point, man, Kevin Willard is an excellent coach, and he's going to develop this guy. So um, as long as Kevin Willard's in uh, South, uh, South Orange, uh, the Pirates are going to be a good team. I, you know, I just think he's a, he's an excellent coach, and uh, this is a good uh, good recruit for him. No, no yeah. doubt. And, pe- pe- and people forget the situation that he came into. I mean, you know, is you know, Seton Hall had fallen on hard times. They were, uh, you know, struggling um, and you know, didn't necessarily have the best of recruits that represented the university. Uh, well, so <laughs> he he inherited a difficult spot, and he's made the best of it. And we hope he that, sure has. And we hope that you folks listening think that we've made the best of this last half hour of your time. And half uh, hour, man, we've been rambling. I just closed to an hour, brother. I, I know it, it wow. is. It's about forty time minutes flies. or so. Yeah, I was trying uh-huh. to be kind, but uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, as we said, we really don't have sports to talk about, so we sort of mingle around uh, sports and you tangentially. Know, we, we always figure it out, though. We sit there and go, hmm, what are we going to talk about? And then we ramble on, so there's, there's still plenty to talk about. Yes, yes. And we hope that you'll continue uh, to give us a shot here at moresportsnow.com. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Our podcasts are now all over the place. We're on Stitcher and and uh, Spotify and Steve, what are the other ones that we're on? iHeart, we're on uh, uh, podcast.com. So we're on a, a few directories. Terrific. We're everywhere and we, we really appreciate uh, you stopping by. You can also find us at, uh, at our website, moresportsnow.com. So for my colleagues, Matt Lachlan and Steve Titchener coming to you from across the street, you guys could wave to each other out the window. Hi, hi. This is John McAlevey from New Providence. We look forward to you joining us next time on the podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.